Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're excited to have Aaron Gowen from Star Wars Bookworms back. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. We're, uh, we always love having you on the show, one of our uh, good friends. And boy, this was a this was such an f- incredible episode. The last couple episodes have been uh, incredible, really. Um, mm-hmm. We're glad to have you on for this one. Actually, now that I think about it, you were on for uh you're on last for the very end of the second to last episode of uh, of star wars uh second to last and third at last uh episodes of star wars rebels so um glad to have oh, wow. you back on for the end of the clone wow. wars as well actually no no you came on for a Rebels series recap too well uh, i can't i don't know that i could have handpicked a better episode to to review than this one this one's got <laughs> a lot of exciting stuff in it oh yes this one was so good can't cannot wait to dive into this it's gonna be uh it's gonna be so awesome uh first two two quick announcements um we got some casting details on the cassian andor series Uh, genevieve o'reilly will be reprising her role as mon mothma uh very excited uh to to see that she she was fantastic in rogue one looked exactly like uh a mon mothma from return of the jedi so that was awesome. Uh, and then she'll be joined by Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Denise Goh, and uh, Kyle Soller. And of course, uh, Tony, Tony Gilroy, who wrote, who co-wrote Rogue One, will write, direct, and serve as showrunner. Uh, and um, uh, Dan Gilroy, Bo Willimon, and Stephen Schiff will be uh, writing for the series as well. And they all have like the, the writing credits on, on on those those three are just fantastic. So. I don't know about you guys, but the, my excitement level for the series just continues to grow with every announcement. I know they had some problems, like Rocky Rocky starts here or there, but it sounds like it's going to be a great series. They, they've had some problems, but what I really am enjoying is, I got to say this, I'm going to say it flat out. These series right now are a little bit better than the movies. I, I said it. Clone Wars especially. This is... This is Absolutely. Like, peak star wars i think um absolutely yeah uh, well it's a little early to say for cassie and andor just considering we haven't seen the yeah, episode yet exactly. so. okay well no you've got it you've got a very good point on that but if you look at the pedigree that they're going to be putting into it and you look at the pedigree that they put into um into mandalorian and then look at what we're getting for um for clone wars right now this right now, I am more excited about what's being what's out there than actually when it comes to the movies. Because to me, right now, at least with Mandalorian and Clone Wars, this is really well Star Wars storytelling. Yeah, they suddenly hit a groove, I have to say. And I, I hope to see that continue with Cassian Andor and with the Obi-Wan series as well. Yep. Uh, and certainly, Dave Filoni is doing it again with Clone Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, Dave. Dave's just uh, doing such a fantastic job. 
Um, the other, uh, the other interesting detail um, is announcement is we're getting a Doctor Afra original audiobook. Uh, it's being written by Sarah Kuhn with a full voice cast, and will be a retelling or an expanded adaptation of the archaeologist's introduction in Marvel's Darth Vader comic series, and that's coming July twenty first. So. Man, this this summer is gonna be crazy from the book standpoint. I know, you know, Aaron, you host Star Wars Bookworms, and there's just so much coming out this this summer. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff coming. When's the first High Republic one dropping? I forget I think now. End of August, so August twenty okay. fifth, something so, like that. I think. That's what I'm most excited about right now, and I think this this kind of audiobook retelling of a previous comic is not something that would really get me that excited. Um, and Dr. Afra is a character that it's kind of hit and miss for me. Mm-hmm. I like, I've, she's kind of grown on me. Some of the early stuff I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm really loving this character. I know she's hugely popular, so I'm definitely in the minority in, in not really enjoying her that much, but we'll see this, how the audio, you know, kind of take of that character is. Yeah. Well, I- somebody who's not, I, I'm not fully aware of Dr. A- Dr. Afra. I'm going to be fascinated to even hear this stuff because I never picked up the comics. I know of the character. I don't know much of her backstory. So for me, this is going to be interesting for being a first time getting to know this character. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I tend to be in the same boat as you, Aaron, but I, I don't read as many of the comics in general. I, I just, from, for whatever reason, I find it harder to like get into the, it doesn't feel as cinematic in my head. Um, even though it's like, there's pictures, I, I can imagine it better in the books for whatever reason. Uh, and so, I'm very interested to hear this audiobook and, 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 you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get into the character more. And it's certainly a great opportunity for people who uh, maybe aren't, uh, ha- don't read all the comics uh, to experience uh, some of those stories, maybe from different perspectives. So while it's retelling, it's a little bit less exciting. There's, there's so much coming out. It seems like there's this summer's going to be busier than the last few summers, even as far as books go, there's just so much happening. Um. And that's a good thing now. Yeah. We need stuff to do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but uh, we have plenty to talk about right now. Tom, tell us uh, what we'll be reviewing tonight. Well, this is the getting closer to the end of the Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 10, The Phantom Apprentice. This was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Dave Filoni. The synopsis for this one was, or is... Ahsoka and Republic forces confront Maul on Mandalore. And there is no Jedi fortune cookie because, again, this episode started the classic way with the Lucasfilm logo, no theme music, and all you really hear, other than the red Clone Wars uh, logo, but you just hear lightsabers, and then it goes right into the show. Yeah, you know, Aaron, Aaron, you were not on. Uh, I know you didn't get a chance to share your thoughts on on last week's episode. Uh, how did you feel about uh, the the beginning of the long-awaited siege of Mandalore? Um, I like. I mean, I think this is what I've been waiting for for this season. You know, the the return of the Clone Wars was something that really excited me because I was obviously a huge fan of the original series and the first six seasons. Um, and then like, I think it had been gone for so long that I kind of forgot some things about it. And so when it came back with the bad batch and I was starting to get, I was like, I was so used to the rebels animation Mm -hmm. style that getting back 
to that Clone Wars style, it felt a little off. And I was like, is this just like, did they just go in, you know, kind of cheap on the animation just to finish these off? I was starting to get like these negative feelings about the series. And then I didn't love the Bad Batch, like the characters that they introduced in there. Um, I didn't really love. And then we got the Walkabout series and I wasn't loving that. And I'm like, have I just like outgrown Clone Wars now? Like, is it just not for me anymore? And then this, you know, these two episodes hit and I'm like, okay, I'm back. Like this is, this is the Clone Wars that I, you know, knew and loved. So yeah, I I was just really excited to, you know, get this, this is the big, you know, we've heard about this, the, the siege of Mandalore as an event, but, and we've seen some snippets of it, you know, in the Ahsoka novel and other things, but this is kind of like, we're finally getting that you know, full, fully realized story. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's some of the best Clone Wars that they've, they've done. Uh, Indeed. And you you really get the sense like this, this feels like a mini movie. Um, Absolutely. Even like we talked about how last week they start with the main Star Wars theme instead of the Clone Wars theme. Um, You know, each, each episode, you know, actually has a title card, uh, you know, part one, uh, part two, Um, you know, this one, Whereas the last episode ended with the silent credits, this one has you know kind of some mood setting, um, uh, mood setting music, almost like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It kind of got a Close Encounters uh, vibe from it, and and then it just you know we get the the Clone Wars logo and jump straight into the action again. No Jedi Forge. It really feels like something that they would want to almost edit together. And were it not mm-hmm. for honestly, like were it not for the fact that the Clone Wars was originally produced this way and the fact that i'm sure disney plus uh you know looking more the business side would rather have 12 weeks of uh you know reasons for uh people to subscribe rather than just three weeks it really does feel like it's it's a it's a movie um more so than any other arc of the clone wars and that's saying something Mm -hmm. i would not be surprised and i would hope they would do this they would give you the option when all four episodes are done you can actually watch them without the title cards between the other three episodes and just basically watch it back to back. Just go like a regular movie. It yeah. definitely wouldn't surprise me. I wonder, uh, maybe we'll get that as part of like the May 4th uh, release potentially. Like I could see maybe they're like, Hey, final episode is out or you can watch all four again, cut together like the way it was intended to be viewed. That yeah. would be very cool if they did. I mean, we we are getting the final two episodes next week. Like as we're recording this, there is one week until we've seen the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, even though those two episodes well, left. Put it that way. Now I'm sad. I know. I know. It's, it's I very know bittersweet. That, it's, 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 it's sad. So but wait, it's, uh, how are they doing it? They're releasing the final two together. Uh, Friday and then Monday on on May fourth. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it'll be over the weekend. We'll get two Clone Wars episodes. So we do have to wait a little bit. Um. But it is cool that one they're tying into May the fourth because we don't often get something big happening on that day, and mm-hmm. and two just the fact that you know we don't we don't have to wait as long. It'll be kind of an event weekend. It'll be ah, uh, it's it's bittersweet, but I'm excited. Like, uh, anyway. It's bittersweet, but you, you got to get into how they're able to tie these episodes into what's actually happening now in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, it's. It's it's going to be so hard to watch these last two episodes because when when you see this one, you definitely get the feeling of where it is placed at the beginning 
or toward like just just past the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. And now you're like, you know, it's going to be so hard to watch this and not figure out a way to cut Revenge of the Sith into the this one, then back to Revenge of the Sith to see like the whole span of the story instead of just thing as these as a side part of the story compared to Sith. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> no, I, I know this one. Aaron, so just, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that one of the one of the issues I'm having because I love that they're overlaying it, that it's happening at the same time as Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith. I think that's really cool, and it's something that all of us wanted. You know, even when there was all this talk about the Clone Wars ending, and we were all like, "Oh wow, if they had f- been able to finish the series, how cool would that have been to see?" you know, them actually lead right up to Revenge of the Sith or maybe have it overlap some. And so the fact that that's actually happening now is just amazing. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of, for me, now I have this this uh, issue with the portrayal of Anakin, you know, from uh, Matt Lanter versus the portrayal of Anakin from, you know, Hayden Christensen. Because to me, those characters have always been very separate. You know, the way that he was portrayed in The Clone Wars just didn't vibe with the way he was portrayed in Revenge of the Sith. And now that's overlapping. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to imagine the scene, you know, where he's doing what he did in the last episode where he kind of walks out and has that, you know, dialogue with Obi-Wan and he kind of, he walks out and does the thing he does. And I'm like, I can't see Hayden Christensen doing this. You know, I can't, I can't like my brain just won't mesh those two characters. Interesting. I think I see what you mean yeah. because I think for me, it's when Anakin is basically seeing Ahsoka for the same time, and she looks at him and says, "Good luck," and he has that that I'm going to say it that boyish Anakin look on his face. That I agree with you. I don't think that could have been pulled off by Hayden Christian somehow with this character, and because of the way that we've known Matt Lanter to create this character, it works better this way. I, I see your point. I, I'm trying to say I definitely see your point, but it, but it does work though. Yeah, I mean, it works amazingly to see you know the Clone Wars playing out at the same time as the Re- Revenge of the Sith, and it's making it so much deeper, mm-hmm. you know, for what we know what's going on. And and back when we were watching Revenge of the Sith in the theater back in 2005, we we had no idea. Like, could mm-hmm. you could you how much of your mind would have been blown if you were if you knew that Darth Maul was having a battle with a apprentice of anakin skywalker mm-hmm. right at the that would have been like time, i would have been like yes. what no you you lie yeah. like anakin doesn't yeah, have like an apprentice darth maul's alive like, <laughs> yeah right yeah. No. <laughs> it one of the things i really love about and i think this episode even does it a little bit more than the previous one uh, i take that back they both have done it very well um but it's added so much context and richness i think to uh revenge of the sith and Actually, it's honestly been a while since I've seen it, so this is going to probably make me, when this is all said, and go back and uh, Mm re-watch the movie from start to finish. But to your point, Aaron, like like, the way I remember Anakin at the beginning of Episode 3 is actually very similar to Matt Lantern's Anakin. Like, as Obi-Wan and Anakin are flying in to rescue uh, Palpatine, I remember him having that kind of jolly, almost jaunty kind of attitude to him. Um, And it's part of what made, I think, Episode 3... Uh, I don't want to say it was tough to watch, but like part of what I think episode three struggled with is it had to sell Anakin, the hero to, to Darth Vader in, you know, two hours. And I like that this is letting us see a little bit of some of the events that are poking into that. 
Um, and I like, I particularly like seeing like Obi-Wan pop up in this episode mm-hmm. and talk to Ahsoka and be like, Hey, I need you to talk to Anakin. It's really important that you talk to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the type of thing that like you can tell how worried Obi-Wan is. And we, we, you kind of get a hint of that during the movie. Um, when, uh, when Obi-Wan goes and talks to Padme, but it's still like, they only have so much time to devote to it. It's, it's short. Mm-hmm. And I, I love seeing like, yeah, this is Obi-Wan is so worried as he's, you know, about to head off to uh, Utapau that he's, he's calling in favors with someone that like, not that he and Ahsoka aren't close, but they've, they've never been nearly as um, tight as, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin were. Mm-hmm. Well, he also calls into question the, uh, the, the Jedi council. He flat out tells her that. It's like the council has been known to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's nice to see that as well. I almost. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's interesting. You bring up like Obi-Wan. Cause like I, I almost got the sense that he was still trying to convince himself that the, what they were doing was right. Like the fact that he repeats word for word, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the gap that the chancellor has been in office long after his term has expired. Like I almost get the sense that he's trying to, like yes, there's some weird stuff going on, but he's almost trying to justify. Like he can almost see Anakin's point of view, and, and how it's a little weird. But he also gets the Jedi's, the Jedi Council's point of view, and he's trying to reconcile this in his in his head. And it's something we, we as you said, didn't get to see in Revenge of the Sith quite as much. And honestly, I didn't think we'd actually see any more of Obi Wan. I thought he was done in the last episode, and to see more of him, like in between scenes in Revenge of the Sith, is mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and that's why you kind of want to figure out how this place is with Revenge of the Sith so you can kind of bounce back and forth. Yeah. And, and you can figure out a way. It, it's probably not impossible, but you can figure out a way to, like, see the whole thing in context instead of the side story of Mandalore. Yeah, and actually... Wait till we get the, the, the fan supercut where somebody cuts in, you know, the scenes from the mm-hmm. Clone Wars episodes into where they would fit into Revenge of the Sith. Right? Yeah, so I, actually, I, I went back and I watched a couple scenes of Revenge of the Sith. I didn't have time to re- watch the whole movie, but I watched a few, rewatched a few scenes. And, you know, Anakin mentions, sorry, Obi Wan mentions that Anakin killed Dooku, which, again, Ahsoka's yep. reaction is fantastic. She's like, what? Yep. He killed? Like, because these are, if, if you look just at the, at the Clone Wars, these are some, you know, big villains that are like dying off screen. Now we see them happen in the movie, in the movies where their their story is supposed to be, um, told. But like, you know, for Ahsoka, like these are major events. It's like you know, we just killed the leader of the opposing side that we've been fighting for three years, just like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, Anakin already did it, uh, and it's great to see those kind of reactions. But so we know that An- Duke is dead. We know that Anakin has now been assigned to go spy on the Chancellor. And that Obi Wan is now on his way to Utapau to uh, to go after General Grievous, which means that puts the scene between when Anakin and Obi Wan discuss spying on the Chancellor in the halls of the Jedi Temple, and between when uh, Anakin and Obi Wan say goodbye uh, outside of the Star Destroyer before they um, uh, before Obi Wan flies off to Utapau. Because as soon as he boards that the, the 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 Star Destroyer, he meets with Cody. They plan their attack, and he immediately flies off while they're still in orbit around Coruscant and. And heads to Utapau. So there's no time in there. And he wasn't clearly wasn't sitting down in his ship at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and that's actually only, I don't know, 15 minutes-ish of the movie, 15, 20 minutes. Like, it's basically, uh, maybe, maybe a little more. But, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan discuss spying on the Chancellor. And then immediately, uh, the next scene is Obi-Wan accompanying Yoda and Mace Windu off to, to see Yoda off to Kashyyyk. Maybe there was some time in between there. 
those two scenes. Then Anakin meets with Padme on her balcony, and like Padme asks, maybe the Repu- you know the Republic we're fighting for no longer exists. I suspect this is when Obi Wan is calling her, is calling mm-hmm. Ahsoka. Uh, and then Anakin learns the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise at the Galaxy's Opera House. Uh, Yoda uh, reports into the Jedi Council on Kashyyyk, and Obi Wan is there. Um, Oh, well, you know, Jedi Council while he's from uh, while he's on Kashyyyk, and then Obi Wan leaves for Utapau. So there's not that much time uh, for this scene to happen, uh, and it's just it's so cool the way they're tying this stuff in, and we're getting scenes that we never thought we would have gotten. Mm. Well, now you've got to go to where. What did you guys think of that scene between Darth Maul and Ahsoka in the sewers? I mean, Sam Witwer, when it comes to voicing Darth Maul. I would say this episode is probably the best he has done. And if he's not nominated for an Asifa Award for voice acting, I will be shocked. Because you could really get behind that Maul was troubled. Maul knew something was coming. And just the feeling, just everything about that character that Sam Witwer has put into it was just amazing. And then just that whole thing with Ahsoka... And, and Maul, that first meeting, even though it's brief, was really cool. Sam Witwer does an amazing job throughout the episode. And it it actually took me a little bit to place it. Because my initial reaction was actually that I was like, I don't... Something feels off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't quite feel... I don't want to say not Maulian enough. But like it, something felt a little bit weird. And what I finally realized is it's... Maul is le- just terrified. The mm-hmm. entire episode... More than any other person in the galaxy, probably other than Sidious at this point, mm-hmm. Maul knows that something is about to go down, and that, like any, you know, he tells Ahsoka multiple times throughout, like you don't, the gal, the galaxy itself is about to change. You're right. all blind. None of you can see what's happening. <laughs> and and he kept just, saying over and over again, it's all part of the plan. Even when it gets to the clones about their loyalty, it was all part of the plan, and you could just tell that. It was just driving him nuts. It's it's like a look, kind of a weird thing when Maul is probably the most sane person in the galaxy right now. Like the one who in many ways is probably the closest to being able to actually do something about Palpatine mm-hmm. and Sidious. And as we see later, Ahsoka starts to realize that as well almost. But just... You know, yeah, the, the fact that Maul is like realizing what's going on just adds so much more weight because no mm-hmm. one else does, and we're all on the edge of our seat going, "Yes, it's about to happen! It's about to happen!" And Ahsoka and everyone else they don't realize what's really going to happen. Like, you know, for only the second time in Star Wars, Darth—at you know, least the, as far as our heroes know—Darth Sidious's name is dropped. All right, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Sith love to tell the truth. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Maul basically says, yeah, Darth Sidious, he's going to be the one to, tr- to change the galaxy. Not, um, you know, as, as uh, Ahsoka says at one point, Anakin, like, you know, he's, he, you know, is he the chosen one? No, no, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually Darth Sidious that's going to remake the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, it, you, you can see it coming even, in. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. Well, Go even ahead. in the even with like um, the Rise of Skywalker having come out, and one of the big criticisms I think from people that didn't like that movie was like, "Oh, Palpatine's in it," and that seems like such a such fan service. But when you when I was listening to Maul say some of these lines, 
and he was saying how Palpatine, or he says Sidious, is always always in the background, always controlling things. He's always there. I forget the exact mm-hmm. lines. And I was thinking, well, that actually kind of goes perfectly with you know, the idea that even when you thought he was defeated, even after Return of the Jedi, he still somehow found a way to still be pulling the strings and still be controlling what was going on mm-hmm. all the way up to the end of the saga. And I think for me, you know, I never had an issue with Palpatine coming mm-hmm. back, but it works so much better now, you know, when you start to think about it from that perspective that he he always was the villain. From episode one to episode nine, mm-hmm. he was the guy, you know, and and that the fact that even Maul, you know, at this point is acknowledging that in this dialogue, I thought was so cool. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing I liked about that one scene at the beginning was the way he sat there and he was just like Ahsoka and, and he was just like, it was almost like he was playing with her just that little bit because this is the first time those characters ever met. And he's like, hmm, even though it was the wrong Jedi, it seemed like he may have still, there's that bit of a connection. Maybe he was thinking even if Ahsoka's there, that there was maybe a connection that he could have used her to get to Anakin, which we did try and figure that out later. Mm-hmm. But that was still really cool how that was pulled off that we finally get to see the first meeting between Ahsoka and Darth Maul. Yeah, we should talk about that more. It's interesting. Like we find out a little bit more about why Maul was trying to lure Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all know it's a, even though he never claims it's revenge, there's a healthy dose of revenge involved in it. Oh, Absolutely. But a, a big part of Maul's motivation, as he tells Ahsoka, is he was trying to get Anakin here. He knows that Anakin is critical to Palpatine's plans. And so he wants to, uh, like, I think even Ahsoka points out, like, the only reason you're doing this is because you want to be the one in control, not Sidious. But it's, that's such a, like, he was he was trying to stop Sidious. He was trying to stop Anakin from becoming, uh, you know, I guess Darth Vader. Right. And to your point, Tom, I think he's probably the only one who could, uh, who could do it, right? To a, to a certain extent, he was he had that feeling. But remember, toward the end of the episode, he did try and recruit Ahsoka to help him to take down Sidious. Because again, it was the same thing when he goes to Ezra. It's like you and I can end up destroying. You know, I, I need an apprentice to do this. Same thing when it comes to Ahsoka. It's not so much an apprentice. I need you to help me destroy Sidious. Yeah, because he couldn't do it alone. And the best thing about it, though, the second lightsaber battle the two of them had, and I know we're going to get to that later, was just so funny when she's sitting there, they're fighting, 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 and she sits here and says, you know, you wouldn't last long against Anakin. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to get, we, we need to get to that later because that was some of the most beautiful choreographed lightsaber fighting I have ever seen. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But, but it was just, oh, God, this episode. Anyway. No, it's it was kind of interesting how yeah. much maul knows mm-hmm. oh yeah you know the idea that maul you know he's kind of privy to the fact that anakin is a big part of sidious's plans it's kind of like well how do you how does he know that you know he's already been kind of out of the loop for a bit you know once sidious thought he was dead um and so he must have been you know how far in advance was sidious sharing these this information mm-hmm. how is maul so well informed or maybe it's stuff that he found out later just because he's such you know he has such a good you know, spy network. I don't know. It's it well, is interesting how much he knows. I got, but that was the thing. Yeah. That was the thing that was mentioned because um, when Bo-Katan, we're going to get to all this again. But when Bo-Katan went to um, 
God, I forgot his name. The, the Prime Minister Almec. And he, pardon? Prime Minister Almec. Yeah. Prime Minister Almec. When she went to Almec in the prison cell, Almec said that Maul had a vision, uh-huh. and there was a name that came up, and naturally, Gar Saxon, often, but thankfully, he's able to say Skywalker to Ahsoka. So he had a vision this was coming, and he so, knew. Go ahead. In a very Yoda-like way, by the way, the way he dies yeah, saying a, Skywalker, yeah. but sorry, Stephen. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, this, go ahead, Stephen. you've actually touched on, I think, what is probably one of my least favorite parts of the episode. Um, oh, the whole, the whole jail cell thing? I, oh, I didn't was... mind. Sorry, to be clear, okay. I don't mind the jail cell. I the the vision part. Okay. I found. I don't want to say I found it confusing because it's not. It's not confusing. I just I I didn't feel like it added much to the episode. Okay, wait a minute. I think I. You, you, I, I do you think it was too confusing or too convenient? Uh, I I won't even say convenient because it's not okay. really that relevant. Okay. Um. I, so like when you talk about how does Maul know all the things he knows, I actually really like this idea that you know, like Maul has been in the underworld. He was Sidious's apprentice. Uh, he's been captured by Sidious. Like more than anyone, Maul has been the person who's been closest to all of the ma- various machination, machinations, how do you, whatever you mean, the word Close is, enough. Uh, that Sidious has been involved in. And so I actually really like the idea that Maul is just pieces together because he was never intended to live this long. Like, Palpatine clearly expected that Maul would had died or would die in Phantom Menace, especially mm-hmm. once he starts grooming Anakin. Uh, I liked this idea that Maul is he's the cra- <laughs> he's the crazy guy who lives under the bridge, who no one believes because he's clearly crazy. Mm-hmm. But the fact the places he's been have exposed him to a a, a certain amount of truth. And he's right. able to put these pieces together in a way that no one else can. And when you talk about crazy, you can literally say, I'm going to jump to the end of this. When he's, when the Mandalorians have him totally tied up and he's just literally, it's almost like a growling. It's like, you don't know what's going on. We're all going to die. This, that, and the other thing. He is going insane, but he's at the same time spilling the truth as he's mm. going nuts. I think and that's, then naturally Rack stuns him. Yeah, I, I think that's what makes one of the, the this what he's saying so compelling and so interesting is that he is saying the truth, just like you know, just like um, Count Dooku set tells Obi Wan part of the truth in Attack of the Clones, but in this case, like he's he's basically revealing a large part of the plan, but it's already too late. You know, as right. he says, like he you know he, he says multiple times, like you don't realize, like it's already too late for you, um, and I, I get the sense to your point, Stephen, that he, he figured it out midway through that, you know, he kind of pieced up all these pieces together. He knew what he, he knew what he'd seen his master doing back before the Phantom Menace and, and his, his death. And then he saw what kind of happened. He didn't, uh, in the intervening years and how, you know, th- this war was starting to happen. And I'm sure he knew like the clone army was guardy, you know, uh, purchased when he was, you know, still working for, you know, still Sidious's apprentice. Um, but he didn't know all the details. He kind of pieced it together, and then it wasn't until, it wasn't until um, he had the vision of like Skywalker's name that he was finally able to get the last puzzle piece in in place. Um, and then, because he even says like, you know, he wasn't even aware of its grand design uh, until until much later. And I I think it's such, such a cool. Uh, such a cool piece and because it's all part of revenge revenge that's why that's why he's doing everything he's done throughout the clone wars is purely to just mess up 
Palpatine's mm-hmm. agenda. Do you guys think it's kind of funny how little, um, you know, respect he gets mm-hmm. from the from the Jedi at this point? I mean, Obi Wan and Anakin are very well aware that Maul's out there, yeah, and what he's doing on Mandalore, but they're really not focused on him. It's kind of like, okay, we got to take out Dooku, we got to take out Grievous, you know, we got to go protect the, we got to go protect, you know, the Chancellor. You know, their their focus isn't even on Maul. They're kind of like, okay, Ahsoka. You go deal with Maul. We'll give you some troops, but like he's like a former Sith Lord. You <laughs> yeah. know, he could be an issue if even if you do take out, you know, Grievous and Dooku. There's this other guy out there. You know, maybe you know, it just it's funny to me that nobody really takes him seriously, and maybe for good reason because he doesn't seem to be very successful in these in these takeover bids. He's successful, I guess, on the let's say crime syndicate. But so far, he's been bested every time he's tried to become a Sith Lord or a Sith pra- practitioner, if you want to put it that way. But, you know, maybe when it comes to him, and it was stated in the last episode, they need to finish one war first. They need to finish this war against the Separatists. So they really weren't ready to get into this war with Mandalore. So you can look at it as they were not ready to get into this thing of going after Maul. They wanted to defeat Sidious and, and the Separatists first before they went after Maul, if you want to look at it from that point of view. But they didn't even know that Sidious was a thing, right? Very like true. At this point, it's Dooku. Dooku's the Sith that's out there. Right. Um, I think... Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, I was just... So I was just thinking, like, you know, if you have if you have two Sith that you know are out there, one is Maul and one is Dooku, you know, I know Maul is, you know, technically a former Sith, but he still has that potential. Um, you would think there would be a little bit more focus on, you know, them taking him out mm-hmm. than than was given. I I was gonna say, I think I think you're right, but I think it's also I give that credit to Palpatine. Like mm-hmm. this is this is, I think, almost in many ways, more than anything else, is what the Clone Wars was all about. It wasn't just, you know, a way to throw the galaxy into chaos and this, fen- like, or I shouldn't say just, but, like, the goal was to destroy the Jedi Order, and part of that is giving the Jedi a a threat and a mission that they, mm-hmm. is too large for them to actually accomplish. They don't actually have the, the bandwidth anymore to handle Maul and, the, you know, the... Uh, separatists at the same time it's forces them to make choices and make sacrifices and choose to help in some places but not in others mm-hmm. and it's what turns the, the people against the jedi it's what gives palpatine the opportunity to expand his influence with the senate like, all these little things add up and let um, i mean it, it goes to this is this was palpatine's plan all along and someone like maul is just in the hierarchy of what the jedi are worried about right now that's just it's pretty small They've got other things they're trying, they're worried about, and are trying to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I agree and with you because I think Maul, you know, has he he does he does kind of come across. It's sad to say because he's so cool, but he does kind of come across as a petty criminal at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, even the way Ahsoka is able to deal with him, you know, it just, it's kind of like he's really trying to be bigger than he is, and it's it's almost sad to see him continue to grasp at power that he's just never going to gain. Yeah. I, one of the things I'm, I definitely feel some sadness about now, and it's, it's a combination I think of rebels. So much of this wasn't a thing yet when rebels was uh, being written and was on air, um, 
But Rebels really, I, in many ways, it continues, I'd say, Maul's story of kind of the obsession with visions, the mm-hmm. and like that that piece of things, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, I'm really fascinated, and we see hints of it in this episode of Maul the Crime Lord. Um, oh, God. You know, he, that was so cool. He, he talked, so I'll say, well, I'll, I'll leave it at the end because I know we won't talk about it more, but... Um, he, he offers Ahsoka and, you know, tells Ahsoka that this is, the, like, he sees the chaos that's coming to the galaxy with Sidious. He knows what's going to happen. He recognizes and sees an opportunity of, hey, this is my chance to take as much of this other market effectively as I can. Mm-hmm. Government, Sidious has got that locked down. The, I know the Empire is coming. I can't touch any of that. But I can take over the underworld. This is my chance to take over the underworld. And I, I wish we'd we got to see more of that. Um, it's hinted at here in Rebels with, or sorry, in Clone Wars, um, even before this episode with the Pike Syndicate and you know things like that. Um, it's certainly hinted at in Solo with Crimson Dawn and the kind of the that end teaser that is frankly never going to have anything come of it. I expect, um, or at least not in any sort of movie or television form. Um, and then by the time we get to Rebels, I'd say it, it seems to like all of that is over for Maul and he's now on other things, basically mm-hmm. um, getting revenge on Kenobi, basically, as his is all that's left for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious what Maul, the crime lord, looks like and what what stories there are to be told there. And I, I hope someday we get those. I, just, I don't know where they'll be. Well, we know at some point within these next two episodes Maul has to escape. I doubt we'll see anything by way of a really good backstory in him becoming the crime lord or how he's he's done it. Maybe we'll see like you know a a flash of him, you know, with the crime lords or something like that as like a hint of what his future was. Well, we know, we know he's a crime lord at this point. Well, I know, we but, see that shot in the lair in the tunnels. Right. Of him addressing and telling the various uh, crime syndicates to go into hiding, right. which gives us our awesome caveat or caveat, sorry, cameo of I'm blanking on his Dryden. Name. I, I love that we got it's, to see yeah, Dryden so Voss. Cool. Thank you, Voss oh, Dryden. So great. I, I can't. I, I that like again. These it's these little details that we would never have gotten if they'd made the show in the order they were originally supposed to. You know, if they were if they originally made this episode seven years ago, we would have never gotten Dryden Voss. No. Um, and yet we actually get this nice solo tie-in uh, because they they filmed solo and then are now able to easily insert him into this episode alongside Zayton Maj and, and Mark Krim. And it's just, it really ties everything together. But I think you're right. I, I would love to see more of the history of um, of the, uh, more what happens to Maul with the these crime lords. But I think, mm-hmm. I suspect that Maul's story is, probably done we'll, we'll probably see him escape and that's it i don't i don't know how much more we'll get what do you what do you guys think you mean in the clone in wars? the clone wars yeah yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. see an escape in the clone wars yeah nice. that i actually hadn't thought much about it I, I i know there's information out there on kind of what what happens to him at this point but i've forgotten enough about it that i'm i feel like i'm still going to be surprised <laughs> and i was kind of like oh well he you know quickly escapes so he can be a big part of what happens the rest of the episodes or maybe that's just it you know to call it the siege of mandalore it almost feels like this if it the whole arc is supposed to be the siege of mandalore right like all four episodes right but it sounds like the siege is kind of over at the end of the I, second episode 
I think the siege is over. Uh, yeah. And actually, I'll I'll put my bet. I oh, this is sorry. This is probably my like if if you're uh, like the odds of this are probably like ten to one against. Um, I would not be overly surprised if Ahsoka and Rex is part of whatever happens in the next couple episodes are actually the ones that set Maul free. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I well, but, think I can see it. Yeah, because I because I think for the next episode, I still think the shot from the commercials of her on the bridge kind of doubling over, that's when she's going to get the feel of Order 66. So Maul's going to have to be on that Republic cruiser because she did tell Bo-Katan because Bo-Katan was not happy with the occupation of the Republic. Rex even told her the same thing. His men are not a police force. Ahsoka said, and this is before they actually catch Maul, we are going to leave as soon as we catch Maul, or the Republic will leave as soon as Maul is caught. Mm -hmm. Well, he is now caught. So in the next episode, they have to be leaving Mandalore. But some part of the next episode, they have to deal with the Mandalore because that's a storyline that we need to see what's going on with because Bo-Katan is going to take over as the rightful uh, ruler of the planet. She's no, got but Bo, Bo doesn't, right? Gar Saxon, isn't isn't he the head of Mandalore in Rebels? But you see, that's the other thing, because Gar Saxon, he was caught. Yeah. Because there, uh, there is that shot of him being caught by Rex right before they get into the gunships. So that's another escape, or that's another uh, set free that we're going to have to see. It's it's going to be so much more brutal than that, yeah. and it's you. Oh, it's forecasted. It's forecasted in that conversation you referenced between Rex and Bo. Right. Um, the the Republic doesn't want to be. Uh, he Rex even said like what he said he doesn't. They're they're not occupying. They're just yeah. here to help, and then they're leaving. <laughs> yeah, but we know not a police force. But we know that the Empire is going to. Uh, uh, rule is the word I'm coming up with, but that's not right. Like occupy and be responsible for Mandalore. Yeah. You see, I think that's going to happen after the Order sixty six. Oh no, it happens after Order sixty six. Yeah, but, but that's not gonna long. Be part of this twist is yeah. right. the clones are going to turn around and they're going to go from being a no, we're just here to help to oh no, I sorry, we have our new orders. You're like, this is our planet now. I mean, they're already hurting the Mandalorian citizens. They're trying to help. Right. They're trying to establish some orders so they can go capture Maul. But they're very quickly, like you said, Stephen, they're very quickly going to become from a, a police force into an occupying force. And that is as soon as the Empire rises. Um, then I'm sure, like, they're not leaving. Gar Saxon is out of jail and he's in charge. Um, and because the, you know, Palpatine knows he can trust him, basically. And things are not going to look good for for Bo-Katan and everyone else. Um, and I, well, she's going to have to flee the planet. Yeah, and I, I think you know, again, this is just you know, based on some of what we know from Rebels, but uh, I think things are going to look really bad, really fast. And I loved how we got those, um, you know, some nice. Uh, uh, it, where it's nodding to what's going to happen. Well, it it's is a nice because if, what, what, what I liked, and if you really paid attention, as the Mandalorian citizens were passing by the clones, you could hear them shout stuff, we don't want your clones here. We don't need you here. Yeah. As they were passing by. And it's like, and, and again, when the clones turn on the Mandalorians, oh, that's going to be interesting. Well, keep All in right. mind, too, how much time passes between now and Rebels. Mm -hmm. Very true. A lot of time passes so although we know kind of what's 
what's the state of things then in Gar about Gar Saxon doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be placed into a leadership position right away. Right. And I think that would be al almost odd because, you know, the Empire is the Republic, essentially. It's just right. a transformed version of the Republic. So to have suddenly you put the guy you were just fighting against into into the leadership of a, a country or of a planet that you just occupied would be a little odd. I would think maybe it takes him a little bit more time to regain foothold. Um, speaking specifically of Gar Saxon. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. My The reason I think it'll happen sooner is just because I think it, we know that Bogotan will not stand for uh, a Republic occupation force. And the moment she becomes the enemy, I, I think it becomes a lot easier to believe that Gar Saxon becomes, I'm quoting, but the good guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the eyes of the Republic. Like, hey, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, we just spent the last, like, you know, some number of resources taking all these guys out, but now we've got a bigger problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, for sure. Definitely. And, you know, since we're talking about Bo-Katan and Gar Saxon, I just want to take a moment to talk about that that fight scene in the turbo lift oh, shaft, or the elevator God, shaft. That was... <laughs> so good. Okay, to me, I told Eric that just showed when she sat there and stopped that uh, elevator from coming down on top of her. That just showed how bad a she was. That whole fight scene was just talk about again choreographing this whole episode when it came to fight scenes and everything that was going on. The direction and the cinematography again were outstanding. And I and also I'm going to jump back a bit. The cinematography, one thing we skipped, when um, Obi-Wan was trying to talk to Ahsoka to sit there and have her go talk to Anakin, and then when Rex came running in and said, there's an attack, and she basically leaves, and she turns to Obi-Wan and says, you know, tell Anakin, and just to sit there and see, you know, Obi-Wan just say, I will, that was almost heartbreaking. A lot of it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I'll say particularly on the Gar Saxon and Bo-Katan fight, I hope that's um, a portent of things to come in Mandalorian season two. Oh, absolutely! Like, now that he's got his jetpack, I really hope we see just some amazing sequences like that. Of just like, and this is the type of thing I actually kind of think: of, have we ever seen two Mandalorians really like have an actual fight? On I guess we saw, I guess we saw some of it in Rebels. Right yeah. with a uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Clan Ren versus Clan uh, versus Garcia. Yeah. yeah, I don't I think it was. I don't remember being nearly as good as this, but you're. I think we did. We did get it before. Okay, but yeah, the, the fights, the fight scenes, the choreography are just all incredible mm -hmm. in this entire episode. That 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 elevator scene was just fantastic. Uh, since since you mentioned it, Tom, I actually did want to bring up too. I thought the fact that Anna. Uh, Obi-Wan asks Ahsoka to go talk to, to Anakin. Uh, I have to wonder, like, will she feel guilty that, that she never actually does talk to Anakin? Now, we, we she doesn't actually know that he becomes Darth Vader until Rebels, but I have to wonder if that will, if she might find out some details that'll maybe weigh on her as she realizes that, you know, that, had she called Anakin, she may have well avoided a lot of this heartbreak. I... I think at this point, it's probably going to happen when she realized that he was, quote-unquote, killed yeah. by this new Sith Lord. 
um, because she won't know at this point that he turned into Darth Vader anyway. So that may be weighing heavy or heavy on her going forward. After that, it would only have to come out in like the Ahsoka novel or anything else that comes out at this point. But we've already seen her grow from the Ahsoka novel all the way to Rebels, all the way to, I have to say, who knows what at this point. So yeah, I think we see her work through that guilt in Rebels, and this just adds yeah. and gives us a little more depth to what it means. Yep. And it's actually, it's even worse because Maul tells Ahsoka what fate is reserved for Anakin and she doesn't believe it. Mm -hmm. She rejects yep. the possibility when told to her face that this is going to happen. She says, no, it will never happen. You don't know Anakin as well as you think you do. And then uh. to ha this, like it just adds so much to the moment when she actually finds out like, Oh no, I didn't know Anakin as well as I think I did. Yeah. And oh, I think I, I right. love the line because I think her line was your reasoning is flawed. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't realize just how right he is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She's so, and it's always funny to me to see how fans, fans are so quick to villainize the Jedi mm -hmm. at this time and the council and people like Mace Windu. And it's like, I always try to remember, remind people like they were right about Anakin, you know, yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. the fact that they wanted, you know, they wanted, well, they were right about the, you know, they were right about Palpatine, first of all, that they wanted him more closely watched. They had suspicions about him. Um, and then Anakin, they were not, you know, they weren't ready to give Anakin a lot of power. They weren't ready to put him on the council. They didn't trust him. And so people, you know, you could look at it from both sides and say, well, that's what pushed Anakin to being bad. Or they sensed that he was going to become bad, and that's why they didn't trust him. So I don't know which, you know, which direction you mm -hmm. want to go with it. But sometimes I just like... I, the, the Jedi weren't necessarily wrong. No, they they may not have done things perfectly, but they weren't wrong. And and there were a lot of cases where, you know, they were they were one hundred percent right to be uh, suspicious or mistrustful of Anakin. Yeah, but in Ahsoka, everyone you know, and then of course Ahsoka's on the other side of the coin where she's trusting Anakin, and she ends up being the one that you know ends up being wrong. Right, and she's almost the one that got let's theoretically say hurt the most out of all of it mm -hmm. especially when she finally figures out that it was anakin that turned into darth vader it's yeah. it is a little weird it will be weird because i haven't watched revenge of the sith yet since seeing mm -hmm. these two episodes but it will be kind of weird watching through revenge of the sith and not having any mention of ahsoka or having any mention of what was going on on mandalore or mm -hmm. with maul just because of we know how important that stuff ends up being mm-hmm and so obvi there's obvious reasons it's not in the movie, but when you're rewatching the movie and you see Anakin and the decisions he's making and you're kind of thinking, wow, did he ever even consider, you know, he had just, he just got Ahsoka back. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and she's, yeah. she's back and you know, that's a, a very important relationship to him. But then when you're watching through revenge of the Sith, it's like, okay, he sees Obi-Wan as betraying him. He sees, you know, Padme's the one that he's trying to save but there's really this other person out there that's like a really important part of his life that doesn't seem to be coming into consideration as he's making these horrible decisions. That's a good you point. Could say that, I, I, go I, ahead. Steven. Go I ahead. was just saying, I, I, this is one of things, like, if there was a mention of it, I think Anakin would have been arguing that Ahsoka would agree with him. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's, I suspect that's like, again, like obviously this wasn't in his mind when episode three was made because Ahsoka didn't exist as a character. Mm-hmm. But I imagine now as Anakin's going through and seeing, feeling betrayed by the council, his response is like, it's it's not just that I'm doing this for for me and Padme and, you know, removing this corrupt Jedi Council. Like, these are the people that are keeping Ahsoka away. Like, these are the people that hurt Ahsoka. I I suspect Anakin would have, would have thought Ahsoka would have uh, joined him as well. Mm-hmm. At least in the initial stages. Maybe not when he's rampaging through the temple. But, right. I, but that's, like, helps. right away. He turns... Well, he becomes a he becomes a Sith essentially, yeah. Which I don't think he would have ever thought Ahsoka would have been okay with, and the fact that he's willing to—I mean, he murdered Mace Windu essentially, and then went in and murdered all these children. There's not enough time there, like, for him to kind of get to that point. Like, he he fast forwarded to that. I don't know that where he would have fit in time where he would have been like Ahsoka would have been okay with this. Like, I think Ahsoka would have uh, would have agreed with some of his reasoning behind like why he doesn't trust the mm-hmm. Jedi anymore. But the fact that the actions he takes, I guess is more what I'm thinking about is something I don't think he ever would have thought. So no. And, and I don't, and, I don't think he did. I honestly, I think it was more, I think it was more of a, you know, the council's betraying me just like they betrayed Ahsoka. Uh, mm-hmm. look, this is proof that they are, you know, they are wrong. I am right. They're asking me to spy. They're corrupt. They're trying to keep me from my wife. My wife is about to die. Palpatine, this guy, mm-hmm. my mentor, my friend. Sure, he's a Sith, but he, he, can, he, can, he can actually keep Padme alive. Um, you know, uh, and, and then uh, Mace Windu tries to kill the only guy that can keep my wife alive. I think this is all going through his head. He doesn't have really any time to think about Ahsoka, except for the fact that, oh my gosh, the council has a history of... of you know whether he's right or not because I actually don't think he's he's right, but the council has a history of betraying, you know, the Jedi and the people that are that are closest to me. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Keep continue. Oh, the other the only minor piece is that on top of that, um, when when Ahsoka comes back, um, when Ahsoka comes back, she is. Uh, when they're reunited in the last episode, she's wary of the Jedi still, and, and more importantly, she's not even that. She's not even that friendly. She's she's oh, she's friendly, but she's not. She doesn't go back into their old, into their old ways and their old habits. And she kind of is a little standoffish to even Anakin. And that's probably mm-hmm. another, like, I kind of lost her. You know, she, yeah, she's still alive. Yeah, she's kind of come back, but she's really only coming back for just this one thing. I lost her. I lost Obi Wan. I lost Padme. You know, and I think all of that's kind of going through his his head, and he's not really thinking about her, but it's just. It just adds on to that feeling of betrayal. But also realize that. Yep. Sorry, go, Tom. Go ahead. I've been well, talking say, way too much. Go ahead. No, that's okay. But but also realize in that moment when he's sitting there trying to talk Mace Windu out of killing the Emperor, take a look at how the Emperor was manipulating Anakin. He was hitting him with mainly the thing that was closer to his heart, Padme. And then also, you know, and, you know, look, he was also hitting about the Jedi. The, the, look at look at what the council's doing. He's going to kill him. He was hitting Anakin with the two things that at that point in Anakin's life, he could really just grab onto. So you could see why at this point, Ahsoka would be totally in the background of this. Because Palpatine was going to the one thing he could get at at that moment. Two things he could do, stop him, uh, stop Mace Windu from killing him, because he can save Padme. And also... 
the 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 council was corrupt. Right. So go yeah. ahead. No, I was. I think what your point is is kind of where I was going to go with. It. Like, I think Padme is the catalyst here, mm-hmm. and I think that he ultimately makes a selfish decision because, as much as he may think that the Jedi were going a direction that he didn't agree with, I think we can all agree that the actions he takes are not. They're they're mostly self-serving. You know, he wants to save Padme, and that's really that's the catalyst for why he turned. You know, is is willing to bend the knee, and essentially become a Sith. And I think if if Ahsoka had been there, if Ahsoka had been in the same room as him, there would have been a conversation. You know, where she would have been like, "Hey, I get it. Mm-hmm. The Jedi are kind of crappy right now, but this isn't what we do. This isn't who we are. We don't, you know, we don't murder people." You know, let's figure this out a different way. And I think only because Padme was going to die mm-hmm. is what ultimately allowed him to make a decision he never in a million years would have made otherwise. 100%. And, and had, had Ahsoka called him as Obi-Wan had suggested, I do kind of wonder, would she have been able to talk to him a bit more and maybe, you know, even though he wasn't quite at the point of turning to the dark side yet, maybe she could have helped ease some of the tensions between him and the council. And I don't know, maybe, maybe things could have changed. I, I don't think it so could have helped it. Because no, uh, I could go ahead, Steven. Uh, the things that are driving Anakin, as we said, are his fear of Padme dying. And there's nothing that Ahsoka can do to, to help with that. And in fact, I, I like, we kind of get a hint of it when, you know, the conversation between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, but even Ahsoka is not fully on board with the kind of spying on the chancellor that Anakin is being asked to do. And without being more involved and seeing exactly what's going on, I suspect Ahsoka would have, again, not gone nearly as far as Anakin, but like Ahsoka wouldn't have been, wouldn't have said the right things to dissuade Anakin. Right. Right. She didn't have enough information. Right. And she did go, she did go and take a step. She didn't go far enough. But when Maul sat there and asked her to help him destroy Sidious, she did say yes, but there was the one condition. Why? And that's when Maul basically put all his cards on the table and told her the truth that basically Anakin Skywalker, for as long as he can remember, was being groomed to be the next apprentice. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, Dooku. It wasn't himself. But it was always going to be Anakin Skywalker. What did you guys think of that? Like the fact that she she said, "I will help you," that completely came out of left field, and it makes sense. But I was my jaw was on the floor. It makes sense because now we know when it gets into Rebels. Now we know every once in a while when she actually was working with Darth Maul. Now we kind of know where it started. I I actually don't think Ahsoka meant was serious about working with Maul was my take on it. Like it, her actions immediately after seemed to prove to me more that she was fishing for more information and thought this was the best way to get it. Hmm. Yeah. I, the first read on it for me was surprise. Like, Oh wow. Like she actually maybe sees his point mm-hmm. and maybe she sees what's going on in the bigger battle and thinking, Hmm, well if, if Sidious is a real thing and he ends up, you know, being in power, 
I need someone that's powerful, you know, by my side to take him down. So mm-hmm. my first read on it was kind of like, oh, she's being serious. But then I said something to to someone, a friend about it. And I'm like, I can't believe Ahsoka would have considered that. And my friend was like, what are you talking about? She was just tricking him. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like, I guess I could see that, too, because she knows how Maul, Maul can easily be manipulated. We've seen this. Yeah. You know, he kind of gets mm-hmm. caught up in his own emotions. And so I think she just thought, hey, I need to get as much information out of him as I can. So I'm going to pretend like, oh, sure, I'll help you out if you tell me this one more thing. And then as soon as he tells her, she are, she goes she goes back on her, you know, on what she had said. So I, I actually am leaning more toward she was she was manipulating him. Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't considered that. Interesting. The way um, she's clearly like they both have a shared a shared history. We talked a little bit this this last week in the last episode, but I love how they even draw more parallels to it in this episode. I mean, heck, even the episode title, "The Phantom Apprentice," could really apply to both of them. And they they're both apprentices who were kind of cast aside by the Jedi Council or by or by uh, uh, by Palpatine. Um, they're both apprentices and. Uh, um, and now they're kind of, you know, set, you know, they're kind of on their own third party actors, uh, trying to change, uh, things. And I don't know, part, part of me still believes that while Ahsoka doesn't actually want to team up with him and doesn't like the things that he's doing, if he can provide information about Sidious, uh, it might be better. It's like a, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, like if she can use Palp, if she can use Maul to help her stop Palpatine, uh, that might be okay, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she might. You know, she seems like even if she doesn't agree with necessarily his policies. If she can kind of maybe rein him in and and that sort of thing, and, and help him not like serve him, but more team up and kind of almost use him. But as soon as he says, "My goal is to kill Anakin," she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm out then. Like I, I, I'm not gonna participate in killing Anakin just to stop." Palpatine, you're wrong. He'd never do that anyway. And I think that is what actually snaps her out of it. That is that that was my that was my read. Maybe it could be I could believe the, completely off the more I think about it too, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for her to for her to need Maul at this point because it's not like all the Jedi are wiped out yet. Right. It and she doesn't even know much about Sidious, um, and so she just knows there's this guy Sidious that you know maybe pulling some strings, and she probably thinks, okay, me, Anakin, Obi Wan, we'll get Mace Windu, we'll get Kylie Mundy, we've got the clones, we got, I mean, we'll we'll be able to handle this guy, no big deal. <laughs> and so she, I I don't see the desperation enough mm-hmm. that she would be willing to side with Maul at this point. Well, maybe look at it from the point of view that she was going to side with Maul. They destroy Sidious, but then. She ends up turning him over to the Jedi Council because she still says every time she met up with Maul, she is going to take him and turn him over to the Jedi Council and let them deal with her. She is not out there to kill him. She had the perfect opportunity to let him fall, and she didn't. She saved him. Even with him kicking and screaming, she still saved him. So maybe, you could be right, she did have that in the back of her head. I'll side with him, and as soon as we destroyed Sidious, he's going to be turned over to the Jedi Council. Well, and she knows a fall can't kill him. Right. Well, true. <laughs> Even Obi Wan says like, he's like, fully he, intact. If he falls, he's definitely surviving. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a heck of a fall too. If he did, he make fell it. in half previously and survived. So, yeah. like, <laughs> none of this whole body I, falls. I do like that she taunts Maul with the you know Obi Wan said you were hard to kill line as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was cool. Just to rub it in a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like. The moment he offers his hand and then the, the glass explodes. 
cinematography, man. That was gorgeous. Oh, that made me one of the most beautiful shots in the series. You kind of get the slow motion shards of glass and embers flying by. It was incredible. There are so many shots in this episode that I you is you know it was concept art that was on a wall for mm-hmm. months, and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's an amazing shot." Like, and I, actually, I'll say the the one shot I was I. It's weird to say, I was getting a little tired of it. Is they kept using this shot of Maul and Ahsoka in the throne room, like far apart with the big mm. windows behind. Mm-hmm. Like they used it three or four times. I'm like, okay, I get it. It's an amazing view. It's super cool to see, especially as like the uh, Mandalorians start fighting behind. But like, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Let, let's but, talk about the Mandalorians real quick. Okay, hang on a second. Uh-huh. Because this ties into the Mandalorians. You have to admit, one of those shots when he's sitting there. That, that that everything's blowing up behind it. And Maul basically is looking at Ahsoka, Rex, and Bo-Katan. And goes, with all the explosions, he goes, no, wait a minute, I think Rex left. Um, somebody better go deal with that. <laughs> don't stay on my account, we'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, don't stay on my account. Somebody <laughs> better go great. deal with that. It's great, it's great. Okay. Uh, uh, great and, and actually, go and, ahead, and the fact that Jesse, uh, we didn't talk about Jesse earlier, but Jesse was kidnapped and tortured uh, a la, you know, Kylo Ren force uh, mind invasion. Um, it, it was cool to see Jesse again. I, I feel bad for him, but he mm-hmm. does make it out alive, which is good. Uh, I mean, he only makes it out alive so he can turn on Ahsoka and Rex in the next episode. So, <laughs> I, oh, t- Steven, don't say that. Yeah, now you're, just, you know, it's going to happen I, now. No, I just, this entire episode I've watched, I'm like, oh no, anytime, oh, like, because I didn't, we didn't see Jesse in the first episode, right? No, no. not not to my knowledge, I don't remember him. Okay, so I, as soon as Jesse appeared on screen, uh, even when he's being captured by Maul at the beginning, I'm like, oh no, oh, like, because you just know we're going to see a clone that we love and uh, that Ahsoka trusts is going to be the one of the ones to turn, and it's not mm-hmm. going to be Rex, and as soon as Jesse showed up, I'm like, well... I guess that's. I guess it's gonna be Jesse. Okay, I'm not ready for this, but okay. okay My but, heart but, already and now, aches. And now I get back to this question: She's not a Jedi anymore. She's not part of the Council. Are the are the clones actually going to turn on her? Yes. With like, absolutely. There's no way yeah. they don't. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna be that t- like critical of like the order when they hear it. Like, well, technically. She's not a Jedi, so we don't have to shoot her. I, I'm pretty sure anybody that's running around with a lightsaber is, is in danger. Okay. I, I love how, uh, well, technically she doesn't have lightsabers anymore, but I agree with well, you, Aaron. That's true. Um, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I doubt like Order 66 has a caveat that's like, Order 66, execute all Jedi unless they are they have recently left the Jedi Order and are no longer Jedi, then give them a pass. <laughs> like, yeah. I just like to imagine Palpatine sitting out like, guys, read the fine print. It says, <laughs> <laughs> execute all Jedi, including former Jedi, including ex-Jedi, including like... Just no Jedi that work for me. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> Paper says all Jedi. Oh, gosh, yeah. But, um, but no, everything about that throne room scene was perfect from the way like Maul just has the one leg on the throne sitting casually back uh, to the way Bo-Katan like, tries to attack him and he just like force chokes oh, thankfully he didn't kill her that but was like so cool and like the, he, he he throws the you know the blaster bolts to the sides and then like kind of do this really cool arc effect around the camera oh, everything was i just... did 
I did kind of laugh a little bit at that sequence because, and there's a sequence earlier as well. There was a little bit. I'm like, ah, this is we're we're introduced, not that they're, they're introducing necessarily, but like, ah, we're uh, reinforcing the sequel trilogy force powers. Ah, here's Maul diverting blasters, you know, through the air, like we see Kylo Ren do. Ah, here's Maul interrogating Jesse with the force, <laughs> like we see Kylo Ren do. It's like, okay, I, I. I appreciate what you're doing. I I see it. I don't I don't feel good or bad about it in, in any way, but it did not go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the Battle of Mandalore. The the siege of Mandalore, the Night Owls, Bo-Katan's Night Owls versus the Maldalorians, and yes, the Disney Plus uh, audio descriptions track does call them Maldalorians officially. Wow, jeez. Oh, um what is the world coming to? Uh, <laughs> uh, we Poor see Maul. We see Maul like really kind of bring the Mandalorian Clone Wars arc full circle with his speech to the the Mandalorian shortly before the battle, where he tells them, you know, you're going to, you know, you you know, you're no longer will you hide in the gutters. You will take your place in the field of battle, and you will die as warriors. And it it really brings it full circle from where we saw the Mandalorian start in the Clone Wars as pacifists. Uh, and I think that's kind of the conclusion of that story arc leading into the the final part of the siege of Mandalore. But isn't it sad that now we know when you look at the Mandalorian series on Disney plus, that's kind of where they end up again. No, exactly. I never, yeah. I never really like, so the whole pacifist thing I with Mandalorians, that. I think that was a small phase in their history Mm -hmm. that we just happened to be, that's how we got introduced to them in the clone wars. But I think Mandalorians as a culture are a warrior culture. And this is more than norm for them. Mm -hmm. You know, what we're seeing with the, the armor and the battles and kind of the, the, you know, the clans and all of that. I feel like that's kind of the more, that's the standard and the, we just happened to get the exception to the rule for a few episodes in the clone wars when they were pacifists. But I, I always think it's funny, you know, when people think of like, oh, well, George Lucas changed Mandalorians to be pacifists. I'm like, well, they decade. were for like a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, totally agree. But um, but yeah, I mean, as far as that, the fight scene, I thought it was it was pretty cool. It was like it was kind of the B plot. Uh, but it was a, it was a great fight scene nonetheless. Tom, I know you're a, you're a huge Mandalorian fan. I I loved it. I. You can also look at that fight scene as, okay, did you see with the fight scene, um, when the Republic tank, or the, the Republic walker was walking, there was a couple clones that were over on the left. One of them got shot, and you see a leg kind of rise up, and as the trooper fell back, as the leg was coming down, almost looked like he was going to get squished, and they cut away at the last minute. I, I was watching all the animation. I, I was just, it was... Yeah. I it noticed that too. Tom. Okay, I, good. I wasn't the only I one. I saw the exact shot you're talking about. One, okay. one unlucky clone catches a, a blaster yeah. bolt and then falls backwards. And as he's laying on his back, the, the walker stomps on him. Yeah. Oh, right down on it. And I, I was watching it with my son. Now, one cool thing now is my son, you know, he he's eight. And so he's just now really starting to want to watch Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like when he was growing up, I made him watch Star Wars and some... <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, hey, sit down and watch this movie with me. And he, you know, he wasn't really catching everything that was going on. You know, he went to all the theatrical releases with me. 
but you know he doesn't really remember much about it. So now he's like asking to watch Star Wars, and he's starting. You know, he's he's starting to pay attention to the storylines, ask questions about who people are and stuff like that. But this scene in particular, I'm thinking, wow, like I forget sometimes how violent this show can be, and it's like you know. I almost was hoping my son didn't catch that, mm-hmm. you know, in the scene where this clone's getting stomped on. I'm like, I don't know if, I, you know, like I kind of hope he didn't notice that. So I was trying to divert his attention. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few moments like that. I feel like in this episode, where yeah. it's like, oh, that is a little bit heavier than uh, we're used to. Yeah. Well, especially when they get the notification where um, there is the attack on the clones where Jesse got taken away. And you see that shot, that nice tracking shot where it goes, it follows along and all of a sudden it goes down inside that that uh, tunnel mm-hmm. or the shaft. And you see all those clone troopers just lying there and Mandalorians. So you could tell it was violent. And, and this is on Disney+, Plus, but also realize they're telling a story that we know is Caesar Mandalore. It can't be, oh, somebody got hit here, somebody got hit here. Oh, they're going to get out. Oh, this... It's gonna be nasty. Yeah, and I a little de- like when you know Gar Saxon even calls Maul for backup, and he, oh, <laughs> Maul's just yeah. like die well, Mandalorian. <laughs> it's just oh, it's a yeah. fantastic line, but it's pretty brutal, you know. Like the Maul, even Maul's not helping the Mandalorians, the the Maldalorians specifically. Um, yeah, it's, he's not. It's funny because you think of Maul as a leader, yeah. and he's one of those leaders that kind of leads by fear. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're afraid you, if you do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, he might kill you. But he definitely doesn't inspire <laughs> with his leadership. And you know, he's burning some bridges here. You know, if he if, if he thinks that he has any chance of ever working with Mandalorians again, you know, he's he's basically burning that bridge right. because he left them all to die. So it is interesting some of the decisions he makes where you're kind of like, ah, was that the best best decision to make in this moment? Made for a cool line. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think the Mandos are going to help you anymore. No. <laughs> no, but you you have to go back to one thing. Let's go back to what I touched on earlier in the episode. The choreography, especially the lightsaber battle between Maul and Ahsoka. I don't know if I have ever seen better choreography and animation than that scene. And it wasn't short. It was a decently long scene of choreography where you had Ahsoka, you know, lost a lightsaber, called it back with the force, had basically Darth Maul jump over it as it went between his legs. And then I swear in one of the sections, she threw a lightsaber out of her hand and Mm -hmm. caught it in mid-battle. Yeah. I mean, the choreography was just outstanding in that. The throne room scene is jaw-dropping. Like, it is so well done. Yeah, and then they up it again with the fight in the rafters. Oh God, the rafter was great. The the tension, like there's already tension because we know these are both expert duelists, but it goes up just so much more when you're watching them leap from beam to beam, trying to stay balanced and just. So well done. It, yeah. it makes it such a unique fight, you know. Like we, we we've seen so many different lightsaber battles in Star Wars at this point that, you know, in some ways I feel bad, but it's almost kind of, it, it, it almost kind of hard to make it, you know, more unique. Like the the fight at the end of Rise of Skywalker with, uh, you know, or between like Rey and and Kylo Ren on the ruins of the Death Star, it's cool, but mm-hmm. like yeah, there's like waters 
spilling over them but like it's like any other fight scene in many ways on land they're just you know but this the fact they're like balancing on these beams at the the, along the you know along the 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 rafters of the biodome above sundari like just incredible footwork and the the animation in general throughout the entire fight the the and and it really doesn't have a sense of progression right you go from Mm -hmm. one place to another throughout this fight scene from the throne room to the the biodome um it's just it's it's the best it's probably the best fight scene clone wars has ever done i mean ray park himself came in and did motion capture for maul uh see that that is cool like i mean that there there's one one really cool move from maul in which i think he was spinning his double blade and it's almost like when he took a jump he landed on the same leg but jumped again from Mm -hmm. the same leg it's almost like a double jump it was that's the one he does that one two three punch you know in the air yeah oh i love it and and I also think what makes this lightsaber fight work better for me than, let's say, episode nine, I love the extra added attention to the trailing of the blades. When the blades are moving through the air, you see that blade extend a bit behind it as it moves. So you could follow along with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just the consistency of that when all the lightsabers are moving, just outstanding. And I, I'll give them a go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. It's just one area that um, the animation has a major advantage, I think, over live action. Yeah. When it comes to these type of Jedi, you know, lightsaber fights or even some of the Force stuff that they can do, it really can be done so well in animation. And I think, you know, the best lightsaber battles there have been have been in the in the shows, in the animated shows. And, you know, I love the movies. But it's just something different about the the kinetic action that you can do in animation that you can't really capture in live action unless you're fully animating the characters in live action, which they can do nowadays. But something something seems to be missing because they really don't want to take it too far over the top where it starts to feel unreal. Mm -hmm. But in animation, we're okay with it feeling unreal. So I, I think this, I mean, Rebels has some examples of amazing lightsaber battles and so does the Clone Wars. And I think, like you guys are saying, with this battle in particular, especially the throne room scene, mm-hmm. I think is just, it's one of the best lightsaber battles in all of Star Wars, not just in the yeah, animation. totally. No, I, I totally agree, especially for the length of that battle and then to take it up into the rafters. I don't, the, the, I think the longest lightsaber battle that I really liked was actually at the end of Sith, where you had Anakin and Obi-Wan going at it. That was a really long battle. This one, I put it. I have to put it above that. Those are my. These are my two favorite lightsaber battles right now. Yeah, and, and I think. Uh, the, I think. Steven. I was just very briefly. The thing I really appreciated, and part of this is, I think, like Aaron said, they're in animation, which gives it makes it a little bit easier. But even in, it's a stylistic choice as well. I love when you get to actually see the choreography and you get longer shots from a distance. So you can see the sweep of the blades. You can see yep. the type of attacks they're using. So uh, like, it, I think we're a little bit past it now, but for, we went through a phase of movies and television where everything was these short, fast cuts to kind of like emphasize impact, which is cool. But I, I love when we get to actually see it play out. Like you can be like, oh yeah, like I can totally believe um, I want to say Ray Parker and that's not right. Why am I blanking on his name? Ray Park. Um, Ray Park. Oh, it was close. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know why I was just, uh, like, you can totally see how Ray Park was like, yeah, I could see him making this move. I could see whoever was doing the, you know, the choreography of Ahsoka 
moving in this way like it it makes it just feel so much more real and so much more epic when you get to actually see what's happening and how it changes in the the ebb and flow of the battle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good it is so so good the the animation the music like the music we get you know kind of a a, a great um chorus you know uh you know the, the like the men's choir singing in the background just like in the phantom menace with duel of the fates not the same song but it very much evokes that uh with like weaving in uh, ahsoka's theme uh it, actually throughout the entire music we got the emperor's theme when they're talking about darth sidious when you know anakin's talking with with, with obi-wan over the hologram like the music is just in this episode is just outstanding and i think uh, you know, Kevin Kiner and the entire, um, you know, uh, team, you know, sound effects team and uh, just did an incredible job. And I believe like they, they actually recorded this with the city of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. So they really like spent the extra money and went above and beyond to make this a, a fantastic, um, a fantastic performance. I can't wait to listen to the soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the you know Ahsoka and Maul they they continue to duel, and then he, like, at one point like she she loses one of her lightsabers, and um you know she like managed to grab his blade, uh and like well she actually loses both her lightsabers, and then she like manages to basically spin him around, like, grabs his blade, spins him around, and throws him off, and then catches him with the, the force. Um, you know, after he's like tried to escape to his ship and you know, given her another chance to, to, to join him. And it's just, it's, in, it's the fight's just unbelievable. Okay. So here's a question. Are you under the impression that the ship that came to get Maul, basically it's from his, his organization. Mm-hmm. Was that Kira inside that got him? Or is that just supposed to be a voice up there? Cause I, I would, I would kind of hope that would be in Kira. She oh, I've been pretty young. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a female, so it's no, like I think he, it was just some Mandalorian. To put the two and two together. I don't think it was Rook Cast, but I believe the the Mandalorian was also played by Vanessa Marshall. Right. Okay. Um, I think yeah. I think Vanessa did the voice of the pilot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think Kira would be, you know, pretty young at this point, right, in the history of Star Wars. She's like, got to be. That's a good question. Like yeah, she would have still five, been. Four, something like that. She still would have been on Cor- uh, Corellia. Uh, yeah. Corellia. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, that was wishful thinking. I mean, it would be cool. It'd be a cool tie-in, but I don't think it works timeline-wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fact that um, I mean, the fact that we've got anything is it would, like Dryden Voss yeah. is cool, and so I, I, I'm 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 happy with the amount of solo tie-ins we've we've already gotten. I like that just like just like a typical, you know, lowly criminal organization, they didn't really try to intervene once they saw he got captured. They're like, all right, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens to to Maul now that he is captured. And, you know, they, they, they kind of they, they made sure they tied him up and then shot, you know, stunned him, knocked him out. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens next week but it'll be very interesting also especially now that you know order 66 has to be pretty darn close and ahsoka doesn't have her lightsabers unless someone you know caught it down below cody style but well if it stays within the timeline she's gonna have to have them because in the ahsoka book 
she buries the lightsaber yeah. with Rex, and she buries him to where they could be found. I just finished That's the Ahsoka book. Yeah. So. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess one of the clones caught it before and given them back just in time for Order 66 to begin. Yeah. Put it this way, if Cody can pick up Obi-Wan's lightsaber and give it back to him before he tries to blow him off a ledge, somebody can pick up her lightsabers, give them back to her before they try and take her out. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this, I won't be surprised if they don't follow what we know to the T. So yeah. they, they will feel completely free to make some changes if they want to mm-hmm. in the story and just your people that are just going to have to accept that. Um, you know, I think as much as this is one big cohesive canon, and I do think that they're trying to, I think that when it comes to a, especially a Dave Filoni-driven television show, that he's going to do what serves his story best. And if that doesn't necessarily jive with the Ahsoka novel, where you know people will just have to deal with it. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, Aaron, because um, actually, you know there are already moments that have differed in this episode, uh, you know, based the one we also saw as flashbacks in the Ahsoka novel. Uh, I think originally in the, in the novel, like Maul was waiting for Ahsoka in the plaza rather than the throne room. He's actually captured using a ray shield rather than being thrown off the beams and, and captured by the, uh, by the clones and the, and the, and the lad eyes. Um, and then while like the di- and the dialogue is also different, they, like, they talk about similar topics about how Maul is like half a Sith and she's not really a proper Jedi anymore, but the dialogue is also different. And I think that's okay. You know, it's, it's not going to be the same. It's similar events, but it's not identical and that's fine. Right. Yeah. And we'll see more of that as time goes on. I'm sure Oh yeah. we'll start to see some of these areas that got filled in, mm-hmm. you know, if they decide to make a show or movie, I think shows and movies are always going to trump literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you know, at the time when they wrote the Soka novel, they never thought that we'd get these episodes. Um, right. So. Well, well, Rook cast, I and mean, we brought Rook cast up. Yeah. Her design inspired Sabine's look. Oh, I forgot. So you're when, right. Yeah. Cause so she does look very similar. When you and see there was her, a second like, I thought oh. it was her. Mm-hmm. Right, it it looks her. like Sabine yeah. in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And, so you're like, oh, wow, that's interesting how much this character looks like Sabine. Well, the reason is, is because they she was an unused character. Yeah, that they mm-hmm. thought, oh, well, we didn't get to use her design because Clone Wars ended. So let's use that same or similar design for a new character. Yeah. Well, then now we're getting Clone Wars. So now there's this weird similarity. <laughs> it shows the Mandalorians love their colored hair, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe I, Sabine was a big Rook cast fan. Right. Yeah. She grew up like learning about Rook cast. No. Um, you know, it's, I, and it was nice actually, it was, it was a throwaway line, but because we talked about last week, how, uh, how if you didn't read son of Dathomir, there is this gap where Maul is captured. And the next thing, you know, he's free watching. If you're just, you know, watching the episodes. So at least they did provide some brief exposition, um, you know, talking, basically recapping what happened in son of Dathomir in this, in this episode, just for the people who didn't, who didn't hear it. Um, one of the most subtle the uh, subtle things they did in this episode, though, and I, I actually didn't believe it at first, um, but the more I've uh, investigated, the more it seems very likely. And that's this interesting timing they've been doing uh, between um, what we see in The Siege of Mandalore and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, in... 
in the last episode, there was like this drum beat that sounded a lot like the beginning of the Battle of Coruscant. And that's actually intended to be to like indicate that these two events are happening at the same time. The Battle of Coruscant, as you know, the the Ahsoka and the Mandalorians and the Five First are, or the Night Owls and the Five First are racing down to the surface of Mandalore. And then in this episode, if you notice, if you listen really carefully, when Maul begins his attack, he makes a very Palpatine like scream, like a right. That sounds mm-hmm. exactly like when Palpatine attacks Mace Windu and. Kefisto and Sissy Tin in the in the in his in his Senate chambers, uh, and again, from what I understand, that is intentional and supposed to indicate these two two scenes are happening concurrently. And if you if you then line the two episodes up and play them alongside each other, um, when Ahsoka drops her lightsabers and they fall, that is the same moment when Mace Windu falls out the window and Anakin falls to the dark side. I saw that video. I didn't believe it think- at first. But after some investigation, Mark, it looks like it is it is the case. And Mark Herman posted that to where it's side by side with Retweeted Phantom it, yeah. Apprentice and Sith. And I watched that. Coolest thing ever. If you can go out there, find it. Yeah, and there's even a moment like during Almuk's interrogation that's like low and humming music. And I, I wonder, like, is that supposed to happen during the tragedy of Darth Plagueis as well? It sounds a lot like the, the Galaxy's Opera House. Anyway, it's... It almost sounded too far-fetched to believe at first. Um, but after some investigation, I, th- I think it is... Uh, I think it is intentional. Um, it's very interesting. And we have two more episodes, so it'll be interesting to see if they continue to do... If if that one is... Somebody caught it, you know, and yeah. somebody figured it out. And maybe there was an, other ones that we haven't even picked up on yet. Yeah. But there's two more episodes, mm-hmm. so I wonder, I wonder if there'll be more... If they were that intentional about that one scene, there's got to be more oh, right. of that going right. on. Yeah, there's um, got to be a couple more. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I'd, I'd like to figure out a way to combine Sith with this episode, and you can bounce back and forth between the two. Because if it is true, like Mark posted that video, this stuff is happening concurrently. There's that little bit before where you just want to see it bounce back and forth, and then split screen, like you can find, and have it run parallel. So cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Did Ahsoka have any kind of visual... I'm forgetting. Did she have any kind of visual indication that there was something that happened? Like she said Like a reaction to Anakin turning to the dark side? I think that's the next episode. I I, I don't think there was any reaction um, on the side-by-side that I could tell. Even not by the side-by-side that I could tell. But... I do believe in the next episode. I do believe the shot we saw in the commercial for this season or the preview for the season where she's on the bridge of the Star Destroyer in hyperspace. That, I believe, is one order 66. She feels it. And well, the clone's turn. So if if this is, you know, if this is the case, and if you play the two episodes side by side, timing up with, with the, the Maul Palpatine scream, and, you know, the lightsabers drop at the same time as Mace Windu falls out the window and Anakin... You know, Anakin, like, you know, attacks base and then Palpatine shoots him with lightning and he falls out the window. Um, the timing's pretty close in there. Uh, I think one lightsaber, I think he attacks Maul, Palpatine fires the lightning, the lightsaber drops, and then, like, second later, you know, he falls out the window and the second lightsaber drops. Um, if that's the, the case, you know, the episode ends immediately after that, right? Uh, Maul mm-hmm. is captured and Ahsoka, we just see her staring up at the hole in the biodome as the camera pulls back with the city of Sindari below, and that's, again, a beautiful shot. Um, 
you know, that is like, that is happening while Palpatine is talking to Anakin, saying, you know, yeah. become my apprentice, learn to use the dark side of the force, right? Uh, and so I would not be surprised if at the very beginning of the next episode, that's when, you know, maybe Ahsoka feels like something in the force or 66 happens. Like we are, we are on the verge of order 66 here, like it's, minutes away. It's going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> it's going to in all the best ways, but <laughs> it's going to be crying time. I'm uh, assuming there's no like episode descriptions or anything, right? There is, and we'll we'll read that in just a minute. Well, I, okay. I'll, okay, I'll read it right well, now. I, I think we better get to our readings, and that way but, we can get to the episode description for the next yeah, episode. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, <laughs> but first, you have a weird definition of great. <laughs> it's it's gonna be heartbreaking and uh, dark humor uh, great. And, and crushing, and also so fantastic because it's just it's gonna be so well done. Um. It's gonna shatter us. Yes, yes. We yeah. better get one, to our ratings. One might say it would shatter us, and and I, yeah. Um, but yeah, Tom, what are your overall thoughts on this episode? You know what? Last week I went ten point five. I'm sorry, guys. I got to break this. I'm giving the sucker an eleven. <laughs> no, I I have to. Guys, Tom, look at what about the sanctity of the Womperat rating system? This is that like. Uh... This what is a the, critical. I know it's a, okay. Fine, I'm giving it a ten. <laughs> oh, you can give it. Right. We'll let you keep your eleven. Look, it's so I'm great. Keep Wom- the eleven. Okay, look it. Again, if Spinal Tap can have a speaker that goes to eleven, just this once, <laughs> let me give this episode an eleven. Uh, okay. Next one, I'll give it a ten. But this I was one, gonna I, say, I, I thought you were going to say next one, I'll give it a twelve. No. <laughs> Don't push me. Anyway, I I have to look. Okay, for me, the biggest thing about this episode, watching it from an animation and a storytelling point of view, it had everything. It was a great story. It had great acting from Sam Witt or even Ashley Eckstein. I mean, even even Katie Sackhoff, everybody put their hearts into this episode. Animators, you know, Ray Park coming in and doing motion capture for, for the lightsaber scene. I mean, this this was, I, you'd almost want to say this should have been the last episode of the Clone Wars, so it could go out as an eleven. But we have two more to go. Oh, just wait. I love this episode, <laughs> so I am giving this an eleven. I'm going to stand by this. I am taking my eleven Womp Rats, and you see, Bo-Katan was such a bad A underneath that elevator. What you really didn't know. It was 11 Womp Rats that actually gave her a hand that really helped her stop. No, forget it. I'm sorry. She's just such a bad A. She basically took those 11 Womp Rats and said, get out of here. I'm going to take care of it myself. Nice. Steven. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So I think I'm going to have to give this, I think, a 9.5 out of 10 Womp Rats. Uh, I enjoyed the first episode a little bit more. Um, and I think I, I almost feel bad. Like I have to justify like, Oh man, nine and a half Womp Rats is so bad. Um, <laughs> one of the, like this still remains one of the best episodes of the Clone Wars. I think we ever had. Um, unlike the first one, this one did have a couple of sequences that I, I wasn't as big of a fan of. Um, 
some of the like, I, I kind of talked about a few of them earlier like some of the stuff with Maul um, like the vision I wasn't a huge fan of and things like that like minor details that I, I think the episode would have been better without them or if they treated them slightly different but in the grand scheme of things like this is still one of like the best Star Wars episodes we've ever had it continues like this this arc continues to be the, the Clone Wars movie we wanted it to be um, the triumphant finale of the Clone Wars um, and it, it continues and I'm not ready for the next episode and I'm going to give the next episode a zero proactively because it's going to make me cry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't think anybody's ready for the next two episodes. So you're in good company. Oh, Steven, what, what, what you, what's happening with, with your Womp Rats, though? Oh, I, I don't even man. Um, you know what? No, my Womp Rats are totally fine. They're the CJ Mandalore is cleaned up They're They were helping. It's happy to go. Um, they're going to go get a drink. They're, you know, they're going to go enjoy some hospitality. And uh, certainly they're not expecting anything bad to happen in the next two minutes to them. Um, they're probably going to be disappointed. But, you know, <laughs> they don't know that yet. So, oh, that's great. Aaron, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, yeah, I think this is the best that the Clone Wars has been. Um, and that's saying a lot because we've gotten a lot of good Clone Wars episodes in the past, but definitely this season, it's been the best they've given us. And in just the entirety of the Clone Wars, I feel like this would be one of those rare episodes that I feel comfortable giving a 10 rating because I just, I was intrigued the entire time. I was engaged with what was going on and I love, I love stories that add to the overall lore and mythos of Star Wars and feel important. And this one, did did just that so yeah i'll give it 10 nice um uh 10 womp rats they uh, unlike darth maul were loyal to gar saxon and joined him in his <laughs> efforts to regain power of mandalore eventually very nice they, so they, they did they did go help and uh, even though maul let the mandalorians die well he had to turn to somebody yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, well, you know, you guys have said it so well. Um, this episode was just incredible on every level. It was, it was the beautiful cinematography and fantastic action. Some of the, the best lightsaber battles I think we've ever seen. Um, the I, I love how we finally get a sense of Maul's plan, and I, I I love that it makes sense. Like it makes sense in the terms of the bigger Star Wars story arc. It's not just yeah, I want to, you know, I want to have more power. It's it's I want to take out Anakin because by taking out Anakin, I take out Sidious. Um, that's how much he hates Sidious, and it was just uh, I I love I love it I I love it all. Um, I think overall, it's tough. Like I think I probably prefer the last episode just a hair um, because of just the the reunion of you know Ahsoka with Anakin and Obi Wan at the beginning of the Battle of Coruscant and all this kind of stuff, but. Like it's 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 close. It is close. This is the best Clone Wars has ever done. The best arc, uh, the best story the Clone Wars has ever told, and they should be proud of of the what they've accomplished. It, it really does feel like this is this is what the the final season was all about, right? And everything was just getting us to this point. Uh, and so I'm gonna give it a ten Womp Rats out of ten. Incredible episode. Um, again, I love that we're getting a little you know tie-ins to Revenge of the Sith. That's just Oh, that's great. And and my ten, my 10 Womp Rats, uh, well, Maul wanted to learn more about Ahsoka. So obviously he interrogated Jesse. He tried to, uh, you know, 
take out some of the other clones like Sterling. But, um, you know, there was a bunch of Womp Rats hiding in the sewers and they had some information about Ahsoka too. So we interrogated them as well. <laughs> Poor guys. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? Well, coming up next week on Ion Cannon, we have the penultimate episode of the Clone Wars season seven, episode 11 shattered. And in this episode, I'm already getting the chills right now. After capturing Maul on Mandalore, Ahsoka's journey to the Jedi Council is disrupted when Order 66 is declared, turning her world upside down. Oh, I can't wait. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be incredible. Ah, this this is the moment we've been waiting for. What happens to Ahsoka when Order 66 is declared? We know she survives now. Like, that was the big question you know, when the Clone Wars was originally being made, like, will she survive? We, we didn't know. We speculated. Would she die? We, a lot of us assumed we had, she had to die. N- having seen Rebels now, we know that she survives. We know that Rex survives. But what happens? How does she deal with this? What does she learn along the way? It's going to be incredible. Do I cannot have- wait. Do we have a description for the next episode too, or just this? We do, this but I, I I have not read it. Uh, I, oh, okay. I I have it in. I, I copied it, and I literally didn't. I as I was like copying it from the the, the episode description list. I um, I was like averting my eyes so I I would not see the oh, description. Wow. That's saying a lot. So even you see that as a spoiler. Uh, typically I don't care about that kind of stuff, but I figure you know what? This, I I often read spoilers, but I'm like you know what? It's the end of the Clone Wars. I want to enjoy this. This is the best Clone Wars has ever been. I'm not going to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have, I haven't. I, you just read this one to me for the first time, and I haven't heard. I haven't read the next one, but I'm, I am curious about kind of where they're going to go. Yeah. I'm assuming that we're not getting any more Anakin Obi Wan, you know, center stage, and Probably, it's all going to yeah. be focused on Ahsoka. So there's a lot, you know, a lot going on with that character. Um, Do you have any theories of how this might end, or what you what you want to see? No, I don't really have any theories. Uh, and when it comes to this kind of stuff, I I almost don't even want to yeah. theorize. Yeah. So I just kind of want to see how it plays out. And I'm really curious to see, you know, the connections. That's really what I'm interested in is the connections with the movie as we already know it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot that's going to happen. And, and Ahsoka's going to find out, you know, she I guess she's going to think that Anakin's dead. And how does she find that information out? Does Obi-Wan talk to her before he goes into hiding? Like there's, mm. there's just some interesting things. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, yeah. Does, does Obi-Wan contact her? Does she just find Obi-Wan's signal? Like don't return to the Jedi temple, stay away from Coruscant. You know, based on that episode description, it sounds like they're on their way to Coruscant when Order Sixty Six happens. Are they going to be on like a on a ship? That tells me that. So my my get my guess again, having not re- intentionally let, not not read anything. My guess is that they'll say goodbye to Mandalore. It'll probably be like a few minutes of you know of like Bo-Katan is going to temporarily lead the planet or something. Um, they'll leave. I think the Mandalorian story is effectively done at this point. Um, except for maybe a brief glimpse of what happens post order 66 and they'll be on their way. Is it on, are they on Coruscant when it happens? Are they on a ship when it happens? 
I don't know if they're on Coruscant that, that, that opens up so many other possibilities for like, does Ahsoka go to the Jedi temple? Does Ahsoka like, see the clones taking out? Cause remember we yeah. did see one of the younglings on the platform. Did she see that happen? Did she see Bail Organa leave? Ah, oh, man. So many questions. I can't wait. That's gonna be so good. <laughs> Do we have to review these last two episodes? Oh, of course. I can't. I cannot uh, wait to discuss these. We're gonna be like, it's gonna be so I, I emotional. Meant that but as I a wait. joke, I, it's gonna be cr- incredible. But absolutely. Yeah. But Aaron, thank you for joining us for this. Yeah, thanks this, for coming this on here. Fantastic episode. Uh, this is one of the best episodes of the Clone Wars they've ever done, and we're so honored that you could you could join us. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Oh, this is this is so great. Do you want to tell people where they can uh, or they can find more of you? Uh, if they're interested, they want to, they want to sure. hear more of what you do. Um, yeah. So mainly I'm, I do podcasting. So I have a Star Wars related podcast, Star Wars bookworms that I do with Teresa Delgado, where we, uh, do a monthly podcast and cover kind of the main releases, um, mostly focused on the novels, but sometimes we talk about other stuff too. Um, and then a couple other podcasts, I do one bad wolf radio, which is doctor who related. And I do another one called mouse and castle, with uh, Riley Blanton, and uh, we talk about all things Disney parks and Disney movies and other stuff. Love it! Uh, yeah, you you do great. Some you're, you've got some fantastic podcasts, and so I definitely recommend uh, all of our listeners go check them out. Uh, and again, we want to thank you for joining us. This was this was fun, uh, and you can be found on Twitter uh, at Av Goins. Right. Did you say that? I can't remember. You may, you may I did not say that. Okay. I was trying to keep it secret, and now it's out. <laughs> oh, shoot. Now, <laughs> now, now they're all going to follow you. Uh, yeah. Don't want more followers. <laughs> you sound like me. I don't like to put out my Twitter account because I don't tweet. I mean, tweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually do tweet. And um, I just did a A-Wing Lego set today that I posted a bunch of pictures of. So if you want to see that, it's on Twitter. It looked really cool. It looked Very cool. Jealous. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for thanks for joining us, and we will be back next week with our review of Shattered. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.